Hey, brother, how are you doing? What's up,、uh, Harsh? Doing pretty well. How, how are you holding up? I've been doing very good lately. I've been working on a new SaaS company, losing that extra fat I was telling you about in the last episode,、mm-hmm. and kicking ass in general. Awesome. So, how about、What、we start about off、you? with that? Everything's been going well.、Um, I did notice that you brought up the SaaS company in one of our prior episodes, but I didn't bring it up too much.、Uh, has it been difficult running all these different businesses, or are you still sane? I am still very sane. It hasn't been that difficult. It does eat up a lot of time, but now is the time to work. You know, I'm、mm-hmm. 27, not 77. I have、how、infinite is, energy. How is the entrepreneurial culture in India nowadays? It's much better than it used to be twenty years ago, in the sense that maybe ten, fifteen years ago it was considered to be a risky thing, but now because of the internet, more and more people are going online, and because you can earn in dollars online, it is much more profitable to work on the net than to work in India. For example, if you get a job in India, you will、mm-hmm. make say ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars at twenty two, twenty three, and if you work online, you'll make like fifty, sixty thousand dollars at that age. So it makes much more sense for Indians to work online, and that's what a lot of educated Indians are doing now. And what kind of online work are they predominantly doing? Starting software companies, freelancing, ghostwriting. All of those, but nowadays I see a lot of them actually work for foreign companies from India, like a remote work job where they are in India and they work for some U.S. or European company. And the concept is that for the American company, it's like instead of paying an American a hundred thousand dollars to do this job, they、mm-hmm. pay the Indian guy forty thousand bucks, and the Indian guy makes you know instead of getting paid ten thousand dollars from an Indian company, he makes forty thousand dollars from the American company. So it's a win-win situation for both of them. That's what a lot of people even here were doing. A lot of Indians and foreign people that were coming to the U.S. they would sign up for a consulting company, and they would often get marketed as way more senior than they really are. So let's say they only have two years worth of experience in IT, they're marketed as seven years worth of experience, and these consulting companies end up brokering a deal with the. American companies, and then they assign the talent. So it's one of those things that work because an Indian with two years of IT experience obliterates a lot of Americans with seven years worth of experience. And these companies, they just want the job done. So it's one of these underground deals that happen. It's technically not allowed, but everyone wins regardless. Except the American with the seven years of work experience. <laughs> <laughs> Besides them. Besides them, I'm、I、not sure、like、if it would be fair to say that an Indian with two years of work experience is better than an American with seven years of work experience. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but not not、maybe. in all fields, not in all fields, but IT. It's as though the IT field was made for Indians. I, I recall when I was doing my masters in IT, the students were teaching the teachers what to do. Is it? Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, sometimes the in- Indian students in our class would be like,、uh, "Professor Riley, you got question one and two wrong." 
What do you mean? And then this guy, Siddharth, will get up and correct the professor and then just gently sit back down. Like, damn, Professor Wiley. You, you just got <laughs> Oh, man, that would be so funny to see. I've heard lately that to actually go to an American university now, you have to be an Indian who hates India. They make you write an essay, and if you say anything good about India or Hindus, they don't accept you. Really? Yeah, it, it seems that way. This is what I've heard from people, where a lot of these you know, American universities have become so woke that anything positive about India or Hindus is just, you, you become persona non grata. You're not welcome here. Why are they signaling out Indians and Hindus, though? They don't like Indians and Hindus, I suppose. They don't like any culture that works. They don't like Christians. They don't like Hindus. They don't like anything that works and anything that opposes, you know, their LGBT propaganda. I don't have much against LGBT in the sense I'm not one of those people who says they should be lined up and shot. I'm not one of those people. But I do think that we've gotten to a point where unless you are an enthusiastic supporter, they consider you to be an enemy of theirs. Even over in India? Not in India, not yet. India is a different case, you know. India is 20% Muslim, 80% Hindu, maybe 1% or 2% Christian and everything here and there. And outside of Hindus, nobody really likes LGBT people here in the sense you go to the average Muslim in India, you tell him about LGBT, you start seeing his blood pressure rise. Like, find him, bring him (laughs) to me. I'll show him. (laughs) The same with a lot of Hindus. The only people who are like accepting of LGBT in India are, you know, westernized people in cities. And it's not so good for India, you know, where all these people are becoming westernized, accepting bad ideas. I would be happy if they took what worked. I mean, the things that they are taking also is not so bad in regards to entrepreneurship, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. and American money, but... There are pros and cons to everything, right? With American money comes American culture. Yeah. And that's what happens whenever ideas spread. You get the good and you get the bad. One thing that I did notice as of late is that there are a lot of foreigners that are coming. Let's say foreign girls that are coming to the U.S. And it's as though they have this template in their mind on what an American should look like. And I kid you not, if you see certain mannerisms in their Instagram it's as though you can predict their entire identity. And my theory is that they were overseas. They watched a lot of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And that's when the template was being absorbed. This is how an American acts. Then they come to the US and they're wearing these makeups. They're making their lips look like as though (laughs) it's filled. They're dressing. It's as though they're trying to be someone that they're not. And that's when I realized that a lot of the times, let's say you live in the U.S., since you're actually experiencing the culture, a lot of the stuff that goes viral, you're capable of distinguishing, oh, this is the outlandish viral content. Uh, This isn't reality. This isn't what 95% of the people uh, are going through. This is a special case scenario. But these special case scenarios in the U.S. being transported to, let's say, somewhere overseas, and someone else is seeing these outlandish things for the first time, 
for them, that is how an American acts. So that's why we're seeing as of late a lot of these Frankenstein-looking girls coming up <laughs> from overseas that I'm thinking, how come they're all behaving like this? Uh, not all, but a decent amount to extract a pattern. And my theory is that they're getting pop culture content and then they're just thinking that's how you're supposed to act. I agree with that. That uh, That's actually happening here in India as well where teenagers and kids they're watching all these American shows like How I Met Your Mother and they are copying the personalities of these people in the sense that they think that these Friends characters and How I Met Your Mother characters or whatever other sitcom is popular nowadays is the good life or how people should be. This is the fun life. The ideal. And they, yeah, the ideal. And that's what they're trying to become. And to be fairly honest with you, I don't mind it. I see it as competition going down. If more and more people are occupied sitting in cafes and bars, chatting and drinking and talking about life, fewer people are trying to start businesses that compete with mine. And <laughs> that's pretty good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Your, did any of your friends catch this bug? I know a lot of people who've caught this bug over the years, especially from back in my school and college days. Mm -hmm. I found that the only people who haven't really caught this bug are people in business. Because when you're in business, you have a lot of feedback, right? If you're doing something wrong, you learn about it immediately. Your profits start to go down. Things don't work as well. And the other group of people who haven't caught this bug are the trading community. The people who I know are into stock trading. Those guys also get a lot of good feedback. So if they're doing retarded shit, their portfolios start to decline really, really hard. So for mm -hmm. them, it's really difficult to do nonsense for a long amount of time. But all the people who work like jobs or some kind of safe income group, those are the people who have the most amount of absurdities and the most absurd ideologies. Simply because it takes a long time for their bad ideology to catch up to them. You could be, you know, a Western woke person for 20 years and then your life falls apart. Mm. But those 20 years might still go okay for you. There's a longer feedback. There's a longer feedback loop, yes. You know, you this used is to trade, right? I did what? You used to trade stocks. You told me once, I think. Mm -mm, not me. Not you? Okay. Um, see, this is where, back to your idea in regards to the feedback thing, this is where every now and then having the uncles and aunties in your squad helps because no one likes to get criticized by uncles and aunties. But every now and then, they're capable of making you aware where a lot of your friend circle is telling you a certain ideology. They have you in an echo chamber. And then the uncles and aunties who don't know you, they don't care about your feelings. They'll just come out of the blue moon and they'll say a completely opposite idea. And at first, you're offended. You're like, well, what the hell? I don't even know this person. Who is this person to try to dictate my life? But every now and then, that's that instant feedback that can help you. Because let's say 15 years goes on by and you've been wasting your time. A lot of uncles and aunties can save you that 15 years because they're approaching it from a different angle. Now, granted, a lot of the times they're wrong. They're operating with old school beliefs. But every now and then, they're right. And if you are not getting that instant feedback from your friend circle, uncles and aunties may hook you up with that. 
do you think that your friends and family are a good source of feedback say not family do you think your friends are a good source of feedback depends on what kind of friends you have if you have friends that support you no matter what they may not always be that good feedback but every now and then you have the coveted tell it like it is friend i believe we all have a friend like that and if you have a tell it like it is friend he's going to cut through the bs and he's going to give you some raw truths that guy can give you good feedback i agree with you there i do think that most people most losers i think they don't have friends like that most losers are friends with other losers right in mm-hmm. fact i've seen people who are trying to improve their life and their friends stop them so if this guy is trying to stop drinking or smoking their friends will try to get him to drink or smoke they'll say things like hey just one drink what's wrong with you you used to be cool mhm and it's like these are not your friends these are just your enemies in disguise oh yeah i had one family friend who went through a pretty bad breakup and his mom apparently told him about my youtube channel so he calls me and he says armani i want to get into this whole self improvement thing but you know the whole stigma that comes with self improvement i'm like what stigma it's like you know that they're losers they're squares uh, i just don't want my friends to judge me i'm like bro you need to get new friends if they're judging you for improving yourself so this is an issue it it is an issue but you know you have to be willing to leave losers behind if you want to progress mm-hmm. in fact this reminds me of a very good story this is from my father actually i was maybe 8 or 9 years old and we had we were living in the city now so we had moved from our village and we did not have that much money back then in fact we had little money to the point where sometimes we would go to restaurants and only i would get the food and my mother and father would not eat because we didn't have the money for everybody oh that's a pretty sad no it's not sad just you know, the, the reality is mm-hmm. no it's not that they, i didn't realize it i did not know that right. i was just a kid right Don't i just to go my mom and i do not like mcdonalds i like mcdonalds <laughs> but later on my mom and i would tell me you know you know when we were young like we we would just feed you because it used to be expensive it would cost like 20 rupees for a burger and back back in those days my father's salary was 3 4000 rupees a month i think and he used to work in a factory i think back then and you know it just wasn't enough money so that all of us could eat outside i remember wanting to go to a party that people in my school were throwing and i my mom and dad were like no you can't go to this party firstly it's a waste of money and secondly all of these party people they're idiots and we're supposed to conquer them not you know become one of them and as a kid you don't understand this mindset do you so mm-hmm. i'm telling my dad that what why are you telling me no all of my friends are going there and everybody else is doing it so why is it bad for me you know the typical kid thing kids say everyone's doing it please why are you stopping me mhm and my dad gave me advice that i still remember to this day and it's in hindi obviously so i will do my best to translate but for the hindi speakers it was something like this ki tu abhi bhi abhi se apne pair ki chhimme dal dega to tu aage kaise badhega so the 
English translation is that if you get your feet stuck in dirt and mud now, how will you move forward? In the sense that all of the friends that you have now, they are unworthy or untested. They're dirt. Like the only reason you're friends with them is because you go to the same school. Mm-hmm. They aren't virtuous people. They're not winners. They are just in your environment because you have to go to school and so do they. And if you get stuck in their culture now, you start to become close friends with them. You start to you know, do what they're doing because they're doing it. You will get stuck here. You will not be able to move forward and this will become your life. And that has held true in the sense all the people who did fall for that culture are still in that culture and I've lapped them. I, in fact, uh, if you read the recent newsletter I sent, I came across a whole bunch of my high school school friends. No, I would not say friends, people I know back in school mm-hmm. recently. And almost all of them were losers. They were fat. They were pretty much broke. Some of them were actually making 300 bucks a month. Some of those guys, some of them were, they had professional degrees and they were making decent money, but they had gone down in the sense they, when, when we were kids, they came from much richer families. Everybody in their family spoke English and they had money mm-hmm. and I had no money. Barely anybody spoke English in my family and I was a poor kid at school. So I was doing I made more money than all of them combined, like a big multiple over all 15 of them combined. And I was fitter than them. It, it was like, what would, what did you guys do with the head start you had? Like you had such a huge head start over me and you just wasted it. And I was surprised to see that even after 12, 13, 14 years after school has ended, these right. people are still hanging out together. And then I was reminded of my dad telling me this when I was eight years old. But if you get stuck in the mud now, how will you move forward? These guys got stuck in the mud and they haven't moved forward. They're still together, wasting their time on each other. And it's less competition for me. Damn, that's a crazy story. Because how old were you when uh, your dad gave you that quote? I don't remember, but maybe seven to seven, between seven and nine, I would say this was a long time ago i don't remember exactly how old i was but i was a kid that's enough to make a dent in you and it's good that you followed that advice for a long time did you ever feel like a loner uh, with that advice as well because when you're looking around everyone's doing activities that may be considered loser activities did you ever feel like a loner at any stages not particularly in the sense that I was always a very dialed in person. I was naturally more inclined towards productivity and naturally less willing to fall for society's nonsense. In the sense that even back when I was 15, 16 years old, I was still pretty, what's the word for it, non-woke or red-pilled, where I would be like, does this make sense? In the sense, if you, so back in India, like some people start dating at 16 and but they're not doing anything with the girl at 16. And they're just hanging out with this girl, watching movies with her, talking to them on the phone. And back at 16, I used to think, wait a minute, if I'm not going to have sex with this girl, why should I waste my time and money on her? 
and <laughs> that's something a lot of people realize very late <laughs> exercising that critical thinking from a very early age yeah does that, so does, does that i was make you, pretty red pill even at a young age does that make it difficult for you to date because a lot of dating if you think about it from the entrepreneur's perspective is i want to say wasting time but if you're just viewing it from the entrepreneur's perspective because a lot of dating is you traveling eating watching shows etc where there's a time and place for it and talking on the phone do, do you find dating to be difficult as an entrepreneur and not, not just getting difficult not, in the sense not, that not just getting laid by the way i'm talking about actually having a relationship in terms of dating it's not difficult to date in the sense it's very easy for me or entrepreneurs in general to get dates simply because we tend to be more willing to ask more girls out right if mm-hmm. i see a hot chick i'll just go and ask for for a number if she says no she says no if she says yes she says yes and i typically have lots of girls i'm going out with but what you said about you know the whole waste of time thing that really holds true in fact i remember once this was my first time and this date lasted like a couple of hours so this was many years ago and we went for i, I don't remember exactly first we went to eat then we went to her place and okay. you know this was my first time and it was fun but i was like wait a minute this was not nearly as good as you know you would expect it to be are you guys uh, <laughs> smashed it was what's the word for it you know i had a bigger expectation from how good it would be you know when you haven't done it before you it's like more blown up in your head oh this is your first time ever doing it first time yeah okay and it's it's not as good and i'm like wait a minute i wasted 6 hours for this you know going out and coming back <laughs> <laughs> i could have done something else and there were things i had to do back then for my business you know i had to like order some things and you know make sure that everything was in place deliveries and you were 16 like, then I was not 16 I was like 20 or something 21 20. I, don't, I don't even I don't even remember 22 okay, okay. 21 And what so, happened with that girl did you guys No no it didn't work out it just it didn't work out one and done thing Speaking of that you actually had a pretty interesting encounter with an ex recently Oh bring it on <laughs> Yeah bring it on let me let me actually share my screen my friend <laughs> That blew up on Twitter I was surprised You know how I've been tweeting content for the past 5 years mm-hmm. and a lot of it is actually pretty helpful but the things that blow up on Twitter are my tweet about soap me tweeting about an ex like why Twitter why you know I've been tweeting a lot of interesting stuff useful stuff <laughs> the soap the one I got to be better okay <laughs> the things so, that go viral are soap yeah so for those of you who are listening this is how the tweet went A girl I dated got engaged as and hasn't told her fiance slash husband about me. Should I tell him? And this was a poll. The final results for the poll was forty five point five percent yes, fifty four point five percent no. So what happened, Harsh? Did you follow Twitter's advice? I followed Twitter's advice. Yes. So this girl I used to date back in twenty twenty one ish, and she was a really sweet, very caring girl. Never had a problem with her. But lately, I think she's gotten engaged. That's what she told me, and she was wait, wait, in wait. my pause, 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 pause. 
you never had a problem with her. And then there's this big gap before she got engaged. What the hell happened? Why'd you guys break up then? I was running too much stuff. I was still running businesses back then. I just did not have the time to date. So I broke up with her. The simple reason was there's nothing wrong with you, but I just don't have time for this. I I just can't spare enough time to date you. And I need were to focus you, on my work. Were you in love or anything like that? Or she was just a hookup at that point? Uh, it wasn't a hookup. It wasn't a hookup. I wasn't in love, but I was still seeing her. Okay. It wasn't a hookup. I don't, not a big believer of hookups, but so yeah, she, it, we broke up and then she was recently messaging me, telling me she got engaged. And then when she was in my city, she's messaging me that, Hey, I'm going to be in your city. And the thing is that whenever she's in my city, things happen. And now she's engaged. Why is she messaging me? You know, mm, she wants to cheat. Right, right. And because every time she's in my city, she'll message me, we'll meet up, things might happen. And now gotcha. she's messaging me after getting engaged. And that's not okay. So I told her no. Now the question is, should I tell this guy? And that's what I was asking Twitter. What are your thoughts? Because on one hand, I have no problems with this girl. She's been really, really, really good to me. So I would like her marriage to work out. On the other hand, I feel really bad for this poor guy. Because he's this nerdy type guy who probably does not have much experience with women mm-hmm. and thinks he's marrying a virgin. So did you ever have that thought that she was that one that got away or not no. really? No, no. I mean, I don't think of women in that sense. You know, I think like, I think most women are pretty similar. Some are better than others, obviously, but I don't think that there's any one particular woman who is extremely good and one particular woman Who's like, if I don't have her, then I've lost something. There's lots of women, you know. Okay. No, the reason I'm asking is from her end, this is known as monkey branching, where they'll have a certain guy, but every now and then they're trying to see if there's still interest from the ex. I know you're perceiving it as, let me smash or if she wants to, we can smash. Not with this guy in the picture, but let's say this guy didn't exist. You would just view her as a smash object. But from her perspective, she's probably thinking, Hmm. I really liked Harsh. I wonder if there's still something there. And she's trying to assess your temperature. You see? So I don't know if she's only viewing you as someone to hook up with. I wonder if, from her perspective, she thinks you're the one that got away. Who cares, man? Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm just trying to add in a little bit more context on uh, both sides. You see? Um, so Probably, this... but as a guy, why would I think about that? It's like, who gives a shit what she wants? We're not dating anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So if you did not run this poll, what would have been your gut instinct to do? I would have done nothing. If I mean, the poll said do nothing, but I would also have done nothing because like I said, this girl has been very good to me all the time I've known her. So it would be like a bad move on my part to fuck over what she's been doing to this guy in the sense. I owe this guy zero loyalty. He's never met me, never done anything for me. But this girl has done quite a bit for me. So as a favor, I was more inclined to just leave it be. Do what you want. Fuck over this guy. I don't give a shit about him. Besides, the responsibility of doing homework on the girl you're marrying falls on the guy himself. Not on, you know, the girl's exes going and telling him what the history is. So I was inclined to do what Twitter asked. 
Besides, it seems like, you know, these nerdy type guys, right? They have no experience with women. And what's going to happen is that even if I did tell him, he's probably still going to marry her, but he's going to resent her and me. And it's going to be like a shit life for both of them. And maybe ignorance is bliss for him. So leave him be. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something. Because whenever you get involved in this, it's not just breaking the news and that's it. These guys typically want to follow up with you. How can I trust you? Let's meet up. Uh, how do I know your evidence is real? All this stuff. So you really need to be committed. And it's one of those things that actually makes you question your philosophy a little bit as well. Where for you, it was probably a pretty quick no. But for other guys that have, let's say they've been cheated on before. Now, something similar is happening where another guy may get cheated on. They're now thinking, dang, if my buddy from my past never told me that my girl was cheating on me, I would have never known. Should I return the same favor for this guy? And now they're over here questioning their philosophy on what the hell do I do? What would you have done? So before I answer that question, do you, do you mind if I tell you a quick little story about a very similar situation that happened to me like this? Tell me. Okay. So I'm going to change all the names so I don't dox anyone. Um, but let's say I was dating this girl named Ravina. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Ravina was in a tough time at that point where her dad's business was failing and she didn't have that much money. So her roommate, Ishida, was allowing Ravina to stay with her for free. Okay. Uh, Ishida had a boyfriend named Kazam. You with me so far? Yes. Now, Kazam stayed a pretty far away. So every now and then he would visit Ishida. And due to him living somewhat far away, I didn't really meet Kazam that much. But since, uh, we're, uh, uh, since we're all nearby one day, we go on this double date. And once I'm in the double date, it's me, Ravina, Ishida, and Kazam. Eventually, Kazam pulls me aside. He's like, Armani, I love Ishida. I'm going to ask her uh, for marriage one day. It's going to happen very soon. I'm like, all right, bro. Good for you. Two weeks goes on by, right? And um, Kazam is back in Orlando. Me and Rovina just watched a movie. We're coming back to her apartment. And I'm expecting Ishida to be alone, right? Because Kazam's back in Orlando. Dude, we enter the apartment and I see my fraternity brother there, Andres. I'm like, Andres. <laughs> I was like, I was so shocked, right? It's just Ishida and Andres. I was like, Andres, come here, man. Yo, what the hell are you doing, bro? He's like, yo, man, I'm about to hook up with this girl named Ishida, dude. Actually, scratch that. I already hooked up with her. I'm like, dude, do you know that she has a boyfriend? And he's like, she does? Oh, who cares? I don't know who he is. And from Andres' perspective, that's right. He actually had no clue that Ishida was in a relationship. So now I'm in a pickle. I'm thinking, okay, what the hell do I do? There's two options. One is I do nothing. Kazam ends up proposing to this a girl that's pretty much cheating on him, and he gets married to her. And the second option is that I say something. But if I say something, here's a few things that could go off. Ishida becomes furious that uh, I, from her perspective, she's going to be like, Armani ruined everything. And she's now going to kick out Ravina, right? I don't want Ravina staying with me, <laughs> especially because at that time, my roommate and Ravina didn't like each other. That's a conflict. Kazum, I don't know his reaction. He may be a straight up simp 
who uh, is someone that gets more at the uh, more mad at the guy that the girl is cheating with rather than the girl. So who is to say that he doesn't pull a gun on my fraternity brother, Andres? And now Andres comes back at me and he's like, Armani, man, I can't believe you would throw me under the bus like that. So I'm in this predicament. I'm like, what the hell do I do? Uh, do I tell him or do I not tell him? Now, before I tell you what happens, what would you have done? Interesting. So to summarize the situation, your girlfriend lives with her roommate, with a roommate, and that roommate is letting her live for free. And that roommate is cheating on her boyfriend with your friend. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend is like, I'm going to marry this girl. So what would I do? Okay. I would probably do nothing. I do know this guy, her boyfriend, right? It's not my problem. He's a simp or... And personally, I would lose I, uh, my girlfriend and my friend by helping out a stranger who has done nothing for me. So I am not likely to do anything. However, if I thought that the guy, the you know, the boyfriend, he was intelligent and mature enough, I might tell him anonymously, but I would tell him to not tell this Ishita girl that I told him. I'd be like, just do your thing, break up for any other reason. Don't involve me in this. So probably depends on the, my perception of this boyfriend. If I think he can handle it, if he can, if he's like an intelligent, capable person, then I would tell him anonymously, wait, so this is the situation you're in and you need to handle it. And you got to keep me out of this and you got to keep Ravina out of this and you know the guy out of this. It's not his fault. Just handle it. Don't tell her that I told you and do your breakup or whatever you're going to do. Right. If, if he was like one of those simple leftist type person, I'll just let him go through. Like, fuck it. Ruin your life. Why do I care? Yeah, just for a bit more context, he is a pretty successful businessman. And he was at that stage where he was looking to settle down with a person. So he's a very astute problem solver and such. But that doesn't say anything about his relationship dynamics. Um, so what you summarized was you would either tell him and just be like, hey, make sure you don't get any of us involved in this, or you would do it anonymously. That was my thing as well. And mind you, it actually was a very difficult decision for me because I believe I was 25 at that time. So I didn't really have a philosophy like that. I was really putting a lot of things together. And as I was about to make the decision, I was going to create a burner account and just uh, one day say, hey, uh, come back from Orlando earlier on Friday because you may be surprised. Yeah, I just give a little bit of hints to uh, surprise the cheetah a little bit early. There was a saving grace, Harsh. There was a third roommate. The third roommate with Ravina and Ishida was a girl named Harman. And Harman's boyfriend was Cyril. And he was an outside actor. He didn't have loyalty to anyone in this. Uh, but as soon as he saw what was happening, he just called Kazum and let him know. Because he doesn't know Andres. He doesn't know Rovina like that and such. And I was like, ah, thank God, man. That, like, g- Good thing that I don't have to find myself involved in this. But it is a difficult choice, man. Because you never know when you run through the decision tree how many lives can get impacted. It's not just two people that are getting impacted there could be a lot of other casualties as well for sure man and this type of stuff it has blowback if you say if you tell the guy and the guy can't handle it and then says the tells the roommate that hey it's your you told him firstly your your girlfriend's gonna kicked out for sure she's out of a house 
she's going to blame you for that your friend is going to blame you for throwing him under the bus this guy already blames you because he's a loser and he's like you know your the messenger is a problem not the guy who's the cause of the conflict and suddenly suddenly every one of them hates you yeah and it's literally just me walking into a scenario and i'm just being presented all this information and now i need to make a decision and just to give you the final aspect of the story kazum hears from cyril that ishida's cheating on him kazum breaks up with ishida bro two months pass and this guy is begging to get back with her he's like sorry i, I get it we all make mistakes and he's trying to get back with her so imagine what a slap in the face it would have been for me if i hypothetically pulled the trigger i told kazum i get all the blowback and this idiot ends up with ishida anyways some people are beyond saving you can't save them man so it's one of those things where it's difficult you see especially i don't know from the perspective of girls too much but from the perspective of guys no one's really going to tell you uh, unless it's one of your close boys and you could be getting swindled and if someone doesn't just step up and be like hey yeah just come back a little bit earlier on friday you'll know why then chances are you may never know especially if it's one of those long distance relationships what are your thoughts on long distance relationships in general it could work but it needs it needs uh, some a good strong foundation I, i noticed a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays are doing long distance because they can't be going on date night every friday and stuff but for entrepreneurs you're let's say the long distance is three states away the chances are you're probably seeing each other once a month or once every other month um so if you're someone who's not really like if your love language or whatever is in touch like you need to be touched all the time uh then it could probably work more communication needs to be done but overall the thing is it needs to be more so for marriage because let's say in your local area most of these people you know you're like okay they're not marriage material but three states down uh, on these apps i'm seeing that these girls are meeting my requirements then it makes more sense but if you're a high school student or a college student doing long distance i'm not really for that it's more so for marriage prospects i agree on you? that remark in the sense when you are looking for a marriage for something long run it might make sense for you to go a little beyond your local zone just so that you can meet better girls but if your goal is just to date have fun you know get laid it doesn't make sense to do long distance relationships mm-hmm. because by definition of long distance it's not going to be much physical and you will still be expected to call and everything it's a waste of time right that's how my brother met his girlfriend or his wife now where he lived in florida she lived in pennsylvania and they were the perfect match for each other so they made it work if he was just going to stick with the people in florida uh, they weren't all marriage material uh, but for philly it worked out and it has to be with the intention of marriage now that i'm thinking about it uh, it really has to be leading with marriage the problem with leading for marriage in a long distance relationship is the most obvious problem right where you don't really know that person well until you see them often mm-hmm. in the sense there are a lot of people who are a different person on whatsapp and a different person on real life 
So on WhatsApp, they have all these opinions and they can talk about anything. And in real life, there are these idiots who can't really converse with you at all. And I've met many such people back when I was, you know, younger. I would meet all these people who were, you know, who would WhatsApp you really well. They would, you know, come up with complex answers to things. And when you meet them in person, turns out they're these awkward buffoons who can't really answer anything. And it's not a fun time to be around this girl. Right. So some people, especially in the internet age, right, they're spending the time on Reddit and Discord or what have you. And they've learned how to type, but their personalities are still shitty. And you need to get to know someone physically for marriage, I would say. Mm. Have you ever done a long distance? No. I have done a relationship where the girl kind of was, you know, out of the city that I was in for a while because of COVID. But to be honest, I never saw the point of long distance. (laughs) In a sense, I would date to go out and have fun and enjoy myself, not to marry back then. And I had, you know, businesses and everything to run. So I didn't want to get distracted. So the only reason I was dating was to have an excuse to go out. Mm. So in India, uh, let's say you're, uh, I'm assuming the big boroughs are like Delhi, Bombay and stuff like that. How Mm -hmm. far does it take to get from a place like Delhi to Bombay? Can you do it on the train or do you need to take a plane? If you take a train, it would take you an entire day. If you take the flight, it's two hours one way. Plus, you know, you have to be at the airport an hour and a half before. Then it takes an hour from the airport to where you want to go. So you could say Delhi and Bombay are six hours away. Do you consider those long distance? Yes. What's your idea of not long distance? Like a drive of an hour? Two hours, yeah. Two hours, okay. What is non-long distance is, I would say, if you can meet once a week, it's not long distance. Regardless of where you guys are. You know, one could be in Spain and one could be in New York. If you guys can meet once a week, it's not long distance. On the other hand, if you guys live, say, in the same city, but you meet once a month, it is long distance anyway. Mm-hmm. Another case for long distance, because um, I, I never heard anyone really prop up long distance. Uh, but another case that I can go by from people that I know is that one of my buddies had a marriage a, two years ago to this girl from New York. And she was just very loudmouth, sassy, just like a lot of people within the New York region that he's from. And the marriage only lasted for seven months. They got a very bad divorce. And after that, He's like, bro, I'm never going to get married again. And somehow he ends up matching with this girl from Canada. And there's this little hype recently where a lot of uh, Canadian girls are hyper feminine, uh, very soft. They live with their parents, uh, very motherly and such. He did a long distance with the Canadian girl. They got married and they haven't fought once. It's very smooth. And he's one of those guys that is sold on the long distance game, especially if you could find the right person because a lot of the times man you've exhausted the dating pool in your local region so you may have if you even have three preferences chances are you're not going to find anyone in your local region and that's why some people venture out a little bit they'll go to a different state and some people they'll do even a different country like this fellow went from new york to canada 
I don't think it should be that difficult to find someone who meets the requirements in your local region either, assuming that your local region has a decent population. If mm. you live in a city with 500 people, then of course it might be hard. But if you yeah, live in a city with... He lives in Buffalo, with... New York. So it's not real New York. Buffalo, New York is... What's a good analogy? It's like Kissimmee in Florida. It's in the state, but it's not... There's I, not I that know Buffalo, happen. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> Buffalo? Place. Mm-hmm. Yes. But see, even someplace like Brooklyn with lots of Jews, Jews are able to find people they like. So if you look hard enough, you can manage. You can manage, but you also need to think about the specificity where let's say you're saying this girl needs to be hypothetically Gujarati. This girl has to be. If you have a requirement on, you know, which state she is from, then obviously you'll have to go far. Yeah, even excluding the state, let's say you just have four requirements. She has to be Gujarati. She needs to be your same religion. She needs to, I mean, for you, she needs to be a virgin and she needs to be 25 years old. You have drastically reduced the the dating pool, no matter how you look at it. Um, and then there's other little concerns as well. Like, do you guys get along personality-wise? Um, you guys are a couple of, miles away and she really has a career there is she willing to relocate so at first it doesn't seem like much but even having three requirements tremendously reduces the dating pool especially based on what those requirements are of course it's easier to find someone where the place you're looking for is the entire world and not just one place yeah so but there's cons as, there's cons with that as well where now you got to get like the visa and all of that stuff Did you hear about the whole passport bros movement recently? No, what is it? It's like a lot of these guys are moving to overseas places uh because the girls are way more feminine there. Now, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're you ruining all these places now by going there. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the locals don't like that because they're like you're coming here with only one intention in mind, you're you're rotting this place. I thought that was a little bit of a weird move. Like you're moving to another place. I think the more boss move is fine you're thinking your perspective is the world now bring the girl to you don't go over there and just change your entire life it's not a boss move unless you know obviously you're doing it for you first you're making usd and you're like i'll live in this other place because it uh, it's cheaper but you're just moving there for to get laid that's not a boss move to me man if you just want to get laid you need to move to pattaya You don't What's need to that? go to all these places. Pattaya is a place in Thailand. Pattaya. Have you been there? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> But if someone just wants to get laid, the place you need to be is Pattaya. Pattaya is a place where you can just walk walk in the street and girls will come and grab your dick. I mean, some of them are girls, but you get my point. <laughs> the, the lady boys. Yeah, the lady boys. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Pattaya and I'm not a big fan of this culture, obviously. because i'm a hindu and it's against my religion but if your entire goal in life is to move somewhere to get laid you should move to pattaya and the pattaya citizens are like no no don't move here <laughs> no no they want you to move there they're this they is want you to move there is that what they're known for gotcha yeah that's what it is what they're known for shopping and the girls and the quote unquote girls mm. so 
personally i find it freaky that that country lets this happen in such a wide scale and is okay with it in the sense it's it's very adharmic in from at least from my perspective as a hindu i'm like what the fuck you guys doing what is wrong are, with you people are there pockets of places like that in india like a red light like district i hope not i probably there are maybe in these british cities but i hope they end soon hmm the reason being that at the end of the day these girls are not working there willingly right at least in india for a red light district it's probably run by a bunch of goons who are trafficking girls and forcing them to work in this profession kidnapping them early on in their life then not giving them an education and these girls have no recourse later so i think that these are evils of society that we live in the whole red light thing on the other hand i also see that it serves a useful purpose that it kind of keeps the more violent type of men satisfied so the rest of the country can be safer it's like the toilet you know where the people who want to shit can go and take their shit in private Mm-hmm. and they don't have to do it anywhere else i see the pros and cons of it i'm not really sure what the right course of action is should they be banned and stopped or should they just be around but kept in control i'm not sure what the right answer is but i do think that what is happening in thailand the whole encouragement of this business and promotion of it as a tourist attraction is a bit much right Have you ever met a pimp before? Online, yes, in the sense, you know, the the Andrew Tate group, but not um in not random people. Mm. So I've met a pimp before. Uh he's actually the guy that somewhat inspired me to write Level of Mentality <laughs> because I saw him coming outside of a Toastmasters meeting and this guy looked like a straight up pimp. Uh, he had this green suit on, a jerry curls, uh something about it, a gold tooth. you could just tell and he saw me looking at him and i was just like a uh, nice suit man and he just like thanks bro he sparks up a conversation and then he walked me to his car he wrote a book i forgot the name of the book uh, but he just like oh yeah yeah nowadays you could write your book it's called self publishing so that's how i thought of that but then he just <laughs> tell me <laughs> then he how did you get your business idea sir from a pimp <laughs> day i met a pimp Then he starts to tell me about his story and he talked about how it often makes sense to become a pimp especially depending on where you grow up where remember we were talking about gangs one time like why do yes. gangs exist a lot of the times gangs exist due to the infrastructure of a place it's so bad there's such a corrupt politics that's going on that gangs often emerge and it's very similar with the pimp industry where there's a lot of girls uh, they don't have homes Uh, they're somewhat attractive and they don't know what to do with themselves and that's when a lot of these pimps emerge and they give these girls direction and it's um in a weird in a weird way it's a affiliate uh, marketing business model uh, but uh it was unique to understand how they even get started in the first place because the pimping business it's very decentralized a lot of these pimps don't know each other but they often emerge in different parts of the world and i was thought why so what were your takeaways how does he operate his business how much what's the cut he takes how much does he pay the girl so he um so let's say he gets leads through word of mouth pretty much 
Okay. And what happens is that he initially starts off with three to five girls who will work with him. Uh, he'll have a client base of a lot. And the thing is, this is where a lot of illegal activities can happen as well. Because a lot of dads, let's say they see that their son says that they're gay. A lot of, and say the son is coming out at age 15. A lot of these dads contact the pimp uh, for the 15-year-old uh, son to sleep with a hooker to understand what it's like to be a woman and be like, are you really gay or what? So the pimps get leads like this, a lot of bizarre scenarios. And then the- The 15-year-olds pimp... watching us are like, dad, I'm gay. <laughs> but <go ahead. laughs> And then the prices really depend. You could apparently get laid for 150 at some of them, uh, higher ones are 5,000 or so. The pimp roughly keeps a decent amount 45% or so. And from there, uh, the hooker keeps the rest. And often they all stay in one location. So they don't have to pay for room and board, all of that stuff. And over time, more uh, and more uh, girls are brought into the mix. And it's pretty much through word of mouth marketing. Because if sex is involved, you don't need to run all of these ads. And people will often find you. So that's what this pimp was telling me. And I'm like, okay, well, good for you, man. It's illegal, though, of course, because you know you're you're taking in, you're pretty much allowing for pedophilia to take place. A 15 year old boy sleeping with a 32 year old woman, and this is how this pimp ended up going to prison. And after he came out, that's when he learned a lot of lessons, and he wrote his book. I don't think 15 year old boy sleeping with an older girl is pedophilia. By the way, I think that I would draw the line for pedophilia at 14. I think many countries have the age of consent at 14. I think the US and India are special where the age of consent is 18. But in most countries of the world, it's somewhere around 14 to 16. So the vast majority of the world disagrees that 14, 15 is pedophilia. 14, I would say, yep, could be pedophilia. But in many countries, it is still the age of consent. I think the lowest age of consent is like 10. I'm not sure. 10 is definitely pedophilia, yeah. in my opinion. Too young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... I think a lot of 15-year-olds are having sex now, especially in the US. I think a lot of 15, 16-year-old girls and boys are sleeping with each other in high school. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah, so, with each other, but not with a 32-year-old yeah, man but, or woman. I mean, think of it like this. The definition of pedophilia is being attracted to a kid. And if a 15-year-old is attracted to another 15-year-old and your definition of pedophilia is anything other than 18, then that would make them both pedophiles, which is ridiculous. So I don't think that the line of pedophilia is at 18. In my opinion, it's probably 14. And in most countries, like at least most countries agree with me where the age of consent is 14 and not 18. Because nowadays people are maturing earlier. They're consuming all these hormones with their food and they're becoming more sexually active at a younger age. So that is just my opinion. Some people can agree. Some people can disagree. I think that if someone's sleeping with a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, that's definitely pedophilia. But 15-year-old, 16-years-old having sex, it's not pedophilia. I, I don't, I'm not in agreement with the whole sleeping around at that young age. Obviously, I think that it's immoral. But pedophilia is too strong of a term to be applied to it. But yeah. that being said, regarding this whole hooker business, I do think that for, at least this is what I've heard from these guys that I've spoken to online, where it's a little like this, 
let's say that you're a girl and you're hot and you work at a restaurant as a waitress and maybe in countries like Romania or what have you you're making 3 or 400 bucks a month i don't know i'm just guessing dollars a month or maybe less and suddenly you start you got get in the hooker business you get in the whole online live jasmine whatever you're doing with a pimp and he's managing your only fans etc and you're being the model you suddenly start making 2000 bucks a week or you know 5 6000 dollars a month or whatever and your waitress friends are still making 3 400 bucks a month working a much harder the job than you're doing because your job is just lying on a bed being naked and you know engaging with people on a chat in an ac room so if you start living a much better lifestyle because of the money you're now making suddenly all these other girls will also be drawn in the same business so that's how they seem to pull in their girls where they get one girl she makes a decent amount of money the, her friends see and her friends want in on it yeah you're breaking it down from the technology lens where the pimp i'm talking about no technology involved it's pretty much just using your body and that is way tougher than nowadays or nowadays i mean if you think about it the whole cam girl business only fans model it has a lot of the models of the pimping industry that i'm telling you about because a lot of these only fans uh, girls they don't run their own website they they sign to an agency and the agency ends up writing the comments on all of that so the pimp he is doing this without any form of technology and when there's no technology involved harsh you know what often takes its place violence uh, th- that's where the whole pimp hand uh, name came from did you ever heard of uh, I'll slap you with my pimp hand i've heard the concept you know keep your pimp hand keep your pimp hand strong yeah yeah so that's where it came from but nowadays i mean pimps they could definitely start using only fans and cam girls it will be way more strategic what are your thoughts on ai taking over this whole cam girl business ai is producing a lot of random shit now i would be surprised if people were not making ai to pose as some kind of online e girl and then selling nudes from that e girl weren't you the one that showed me that one girl that wasn't really a girl it was ai generated Oh yeah, that was from Mid Journey. That was so it she looked so real. I was yeah. shocked. It's going to happen, man. I mean, you could definitely make a AI girl that is pretty attractive and you could uh, reply back to all the different simps that are hitting you up. It's going to definitely disrupt the industry. Man, I feel bad for all these simpy dudes. They and don't get hyper hi- money. and you can get hyper niched too you could get a uh, indian girl that's 5 foot 4 that uh, has tattoos all over her body like you could generate that sort of ai girl to target any desire out there see that's the thing about all these simps right it's probably best their genes are not passed on and they just <laughs> waste their time doing this stuff <laughs> that's my honest opinion <laughs> did you Man, I don't know what you're doing that. <laughs> Do you know what SIMP stands for? Is it an acronym or something? Because it, I just yeah. thought it's like these soy boy type guys. Simpleton. Like very I, simpleton. Into... Hold on. Simpleton idolizing mediocre pussy. That's what SIMP stands for. Ah. I whoa, never knew whoa, that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this a hilarious question on Facebook recently. Would you rather have your girl or, or would you rather have your daughter do OnlyFans for 2 years 
or would you rather have your son be a simp forever? And it's not one of those things where it's like, I would like this more. It's just, which one is worse? I don't know. It's tough, right? I don't know. Let me think. <laughs> so what is the OnlyFans entail? Does it mean she's going to have sex with guys or is it just going to be posting pictures? Posting pictures, maybe occasional sex with her boyfriend at the time. See, I don't know. This is a tough question. In the sense that... Okay, I, I'm not sure. Let me think about this. What are your thoughts? Give me yours. It was tough for me as well. But I would rather my son be a simp forever. Because the thing is, with the internet, it's forever. So whenever a girl is saying, oh, I'm only going to do OnlyFans for two years. You're doing it for two years, but your content is up forever. It's going to be shared and all of that stuff. Now, with the simp regard, I still see, uh, I mean, there's a, a large group of simps out there that still get married, still have kids and such. Uh, they'll probably get bullied by their wives and stuff, but eventually they're going to uh, find someone for them. But the likelihood of a woman that has her, her whole body showing naked forever, it just is going to lead to a lot of mental problems, I believe. So I, I don't want that. I would rather take the sun simp scenario over the OnlyFans two-year scenario. Interesting. I haven't fully thought about this yet. I haven't made up my mind. I'll ask you again next episode. How about that? I do think right now that I would I would be more inclined towards a girl being the OnlyFans model for two years. Mm. Because the son will carry your legacy. If he's not a simp, then he'll do much better in life. And the girl being a simp, assuming that she also has a boyfriend or something, that two years are going to be, you know, probably going to produce content that will be humiliating for her and me forever but with girls as long as she can get married and she can find a simp to marry her anyway maybe you know your son (laughs) she'll have a kid and pass on the dna anyway (laughs) our kids get married in the future (laughs) what proud fathers we are yeah, so I, I would I would protect the son and let the daughter be the OnlyFans model, but I don't like either of these options, to be honest. You know, they're both sucky. Right. It was a tough question because it's one of those things that it's not just a question in itself. It, it sort of takes us back to one of our prior topics where do you tell the boyfriend that the girl is cheating or not? It's not just these two that are getting affected. It's multiple actors. And it's the same thing with the whole OnlyFans and the, the sons thing where it's not just these two scenarios. There's so many ripple effects that come out of this. And that's why it's so difficult to answer these type of questions. Man, now that you've brought up, how is it actually like for people when they find out that their daughter is an OnlyFans model? What goes what goes through their head? That must be crazy. It must be crazy, man. I mean... If you're, it also depends because I heard the whole OnlyFans thing is very niched. Where if you're just selling feed pics, that's one thing. But if you're nude, that's a whole different ballgame. I don't know, man. But if I had to bully a guy and his daughter had an OnlyFans, it's just as simple as paying for OnlyFans and talking about it in front of him when people Mm. are around. 
That's the simplest right. way to bully a guy whose daughter has an OnlyFans, and there's no coming back from that. There is nothing you can say that's gonna save your reputation and your soul. Then there's nothing you can do. You know, if someone's talking about your daughter's nudes that she's selling online, mm-hmm. and your friends are gonna buy it, you know, Let, let's say there's a guy, his adult friends are gonna be like, "Hey, that chick looks hot. I should buy her OnlyFans." Just to mess with this guy. <laughs> right. So, He's going to well, fuck with him for forever. Well, the bullying, I, I don't really see the dads getting bullied too much. I, I see the, whoever the girl is, I see her siblings getting bullied a lot. But the dads, they have a different issue. Because a lot of dads, they have the operating system of, what am I going to tell my friends? Right? It, it could be your dad. Whenever you do something great, uh, he has something good to tell his friends. And a lot of dads and uncles communicate like that. They're just talking about what their son's are doing great in at this point of life. So these uncles, they're not going to be bullying this guy, but they're going to be judging him hardcore uh, in a silent way. And for many, that's the worst kind of pain. It's like when you used to get in trouble, Harsh, uh, what was tougher? When your mom would give you a quick little slap or when she just gave you the silent treatment because she was disappointed? The slap. The slap was tougher. She's an (laughs) Indian mom. (laughs) They don't hold back. (laughs) For me, the, the, the disappointment was a little bit tougher because I was like, dang, man, the slap, it just, it doesn't even hurt me, by the way. I, I, I would always pretend like it hurt, but it didn't hurt. But the disappointment was pretty upsetting to me. And for a lot of these uncles, when one, a bunch of the uncles are just judging them like, hmm, man, we all know what your daughter is doing. That's the worst kind of pain for them. Possibly, possibly. Man, these are going to be problems that future people are going to face. Uh, let's hope that none of us have to face these problems. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, sometimes you're hardcore against a certain philosophy, but then you end up having a kid who adopts that philosophy, and now that philosophy is brought into your household. Household, exactly. It's oh, one of those things of where... Go ahead. It's one of those things where you can't, you can't predict it, but... It's you can't do much about it if it happens. Mm-hmm. Let's say that your son comes and says he's gay. What can you do about it? Beat the fuck out of him. That's not gonna make him less gay. Yeah. So it's one there of was... those things where no mm-hmm. good solutions exist. Tell me. There was a guy in West Palm. Like we all had this close knit circle, who came from the most religious household, and from. A youngster, we could just tell the way that he acted. He acted different. And before he was saying, oh, I'm just a metrosexual. But later on, he came out as gay. And it it hurt his parents because they're so religious, you see? And they just didn't know how to react to it. And this guy wasn't just gay and that's it. Like He was coming full on out. He was posting pictures, putting it on Facebook. And it was just a tough situation to see. Uh, they didn't know if they should disown their kid or if they did disown their kid, other uncles and aunties are reprimanding them. Like, what are you doing? This is your only son. You got to take care of him and guide him back to the light. So it's it's a big problem. Did you ever notice something like that uh, in India where a family friend, one of the kids came out? Thankfully, no. But once again, I would like to reiterate that I do not believe that gay people should be lined up and shot. I do not believe it. I think it is a wrong thing to think. Go on. Do people think that? I mean, is this something, because you said that twice, is that an idea that's permeating on Twitter or something? 
it's kind of spreading around a little bit nowadays yes that's why i don't really check twitter like that man it's just nowadays when i check twitter it just i'll scroll a little bit and i just feel dirty afterwards i just want to get up and wash my hands it just seems like <laughs> each person is trying to one up each other in terms of who could be more ridiculous i i think twitter is honestly a very dirty platform nowadays it always was arman you're just starting you're starting to see more of my tweets <laughs> <laughs> you went viral recently my friend i was going to bring it up last episode but um what's up with the soap opinion personally i don't use soap right before eating i just wash my hands with water or you know use these herbal soaps that just wash away easily if you use those strong that all type soaps then you're going to eat that soap it's not going to come off your hand and not good for your gut bacteria probably causes allergies there's a reason why first world countries have so many allergies and in third world countries you barely hear of anybody having any allergy so my thing is that i don't wash my hands completely with strong soaps i just don't use them if i use soap it's like a mild soap that washes off very easily i rarely get sick and if i get sick i'm pretty strong i heal very fast and i most of these hygiene freaks out there they fall sick all the time i don't know what's up with that but that's just my observation it is crazy to me that the stupidest things go viral on twitter was that the last was that the most intense time you were mobbed no that you was like getting it i keep getting mobbed all the time it doesn't affect me at all twitter is like 10% of my income i do it for as a hobby and how, how much money did you make getting mobbed for the soap tweet i made quite a bit of cash from that soap tweet i think i made like 5 6000 10000 bucks i think and i got really? like a whole bunch of newsletter subscribers so I mean your mob is my profit when are you making a class on how to monetize a mob that's the name monetize the mob i should do that that's a good point yes like a small ebook how to make money off of twitter mobs <laughs> did anyone well what i noticed was that a lot of people with a lot of credentials were attacking you did that make you waver at all or were you doubling down even more on your opinion then see the thing about you're dealing with mobs is that if you ever waver if you show remorse if you are like sorry i was wrong they're going to devour you and besides all the people who had credentials they had credentials on paper but if you saw their picture you'd be like this guy i'm not taking any health advice from him whatsoever most of these guys were like obese like i'm talking 45% body fat 50% body fat and they're saying like you're ridiculous like dude you should not be giving any health advice to anybody i have no idea why you think you're qualified but it's just crazy people have no goddamn self awareness they're telling me a 27 year old guy in perfect health to wash hands all the time or i'm going to die of some disease that's literally what they were saying like you're not washing your hands right before you're eating you're going to you're going to die of typhoid or some shit like dude firstly if you get covid you guys were the ones dying I got covid I was fine I healed I'm in perfect health and it's ridiculous to think that me not washing my hands when I've been at home all day is going to kill me so these guys have some kind of weird hypochondria thing going on and secondly they weren't even addressing the point the point was that these soaps are not washing off completely from your hand and you're ingesting some of them 
And their arguments were things like, would you like if your surgeon did not wash your hands before doing surgery? How are these two things related? So these guys lack reading comprehension where they think that me saying don't use strong soaps before eating is the same as all soaps are bad. You should never use soaps. If you're doing surgery, you should not use soap. They're morons. So you have to realize that the type of person who's hating on you is not some intelligent individual with critical thinking. It's an idiot, an NPC. And the only reason God has created him, the only there's only one purpose God produced this person. And that was to help you blow up your Twitter account. And you are using him for that purpose. So, <laughs> nothing bad about it. Well, good for you, man. I mean, see, I didn't notice too many Americans uh, responding back to that tweet because here, I mean, we use utensils, but over here, like the tradition is to eat with your palm, right? Yeah, in India, you use you eat with your hands. Bangladesh too, man. I, I love eating with my hands. Me too, man. <laughs> man, what's up with chopsticks? Do you ever use chopsticks? I've used them once or twice with these Asian restaurants. Um, not not Asian. I mean, these Japanese restaurants, and I, they're hard to use. I was like, "Can you bring me a fork?" I have like never seen grab. one thing that a chopstick can do better than a spoon or a fork. And this is apparently a controversial opinion. Whenever I, I like, let's say I'm in my friend circle, they're using chopsticks. I'm like, "No, nah, no, nah, I, I hate chopsticks." They're like, "Oh, what?" It's a, it's a part of the culture or, or like whatever culture they're, you know, hyping up. I'm like, bro, I care about the culture of the food, not the utensils of the food. Uh, I, I I can't stand chopsticks, bro. It's just like, well, come on here. I'll teach you. I'm like, I don't want to learn how to do that. A fork will do. And chopsticks are dumb as hell. You're eating food from two pieces of stick. Right. And... It's hard to grab. I don't know what's up with you guys. Why are you eating these weird foods? First of all, the whole bat eating and everything. It's just, uh. Secondly, you you don't even have the sense to just use a spoon. Or you know anything that works. See, most Indian foods you can't eat with a spoon. You can't eat a roti with a spoon. So it makes sense. But if you're eating rice, why are you eating rice with a chopstick? I've seen that. And the typical response is, well, sticky rice is made for chopsticks. I'm like, fam, a spoon will be way better than a chopstick in that scenario. See, it's like this. We have some bias, though, because we grew up eating with spoons. Maybe those guys feel the same way. Maybe they're like, what can you do with a spoon that you can't do with a chopstick? What is up with you guys eating eating with spoons? <laughs> chopsticks are way better. <laughs> I do have certain presuppositions where the initial presupposition is I could eat a lot of things with hands where here, uh, that's not always the case. There's some people where they'll eat, use utensils with the thing where I'm like, what? You could just use that. Uh, you could just use your hands for that. And they're like, yeah, with the hands, oh, you know? So I, I guess you do have a point, I guess, from that culture, since they're used to chopsticks, that's their easy access. But just give me a day, fam. I'll teach you how to use the spoon, and I guarantee you, you'll never go back. We'll help you become civilized, <laughs> learn how to live the good life. So that's my controversial food-related opinion. I've seen these videos of these chopsticks being manufactured, and apparently they cut down forests for that stuff. Really? 
it's made of wood right and it's a one time use product mm-hmm. so they're always chopping down trees to make these chopsticks mm. you don't eat fish right lately i do do you eat the fish with the bones in it the bones are really annoying yeah actually uh i used to get roasted a lot as a little kid it's like arman much baste janena do you know what that means arman doesn't know something i don't know what much baste means he doesn't know how to pick the bones in a fish and i'm like i know how to pick the bones in a fish but the last thing i want to do is i want to uh get little flakes of fish meat i i want to take the bones out i want to put it on the edge of my plate and then if the bones fall into my rice now my rice is compromised and me trying to do all of the stuff when i'm hungry i don't want to do that shit so i know how to pick the bones within a fish but i think it's a complete waste of time if it's not a fish uh, like boneless fish i don't need it cuz i'm not fish isn't that amazing of a protein where i'm like my goodness i'm going to put in all this work to eat this it doesn't taste that good yes right it's like if it's a steak or something then or, or chicken i'll do that but for fish come on man there's barely any meat in it in the sense you could eat a fish <laughs> and turns out you're eating like 150 grams of meat <laughs> yeah we're roasting fish right now first chop it's not fish <laughs> I like salmon though it's the best of all of these fishes. Are you is that something that is accepted to eat? Uh, if you're a vegetarian because I I know a lot of vegetarians will just say yeah I mainly eat vegetables but I eat fish too. I am a vegetarian but occasionally I'll have some fish it's fine. It's but I'm traveling I need some protein. Still you can't have sure. whey protein while traveling. I've never had it this looks weird. I've had prawns that they were okay not great. They were a little freaky to eat though. Mhm. Not you, but do you know anyone that eats a lot of these exotic food like alligator meat, snake no, meat? No, no. Uh, That's weird, right? That's weird. That is weird. Yes, that's extremely weird. I do think that there are probably people out there who eat these types of type of things. Maybe they live in the wilderness, but snake meat is a little much what are your thoughts on camping now i know you go hiking a lot but are you a a camper sometimes in fact i'm going to go camping this weekend uh with a with a crew or solo no no i have friends who are into the stuff i'll go with mm-hmm. them have you ever done a solo vacation not just going hiking and that's it but a full on trip all by yourself. Yeah, recently I was in the northern lower himalaya area. I was it was a solo vacation. I've done them quite a few times. How the are thing they? is that they're fun, they're fun. You can do whatever you want and it's like a break from work. See, with traveling in a group, you have to plan it, right? You have to plan when other people are free and everything. And with these solo vacations, you can be like, okay, so I'm too tired of work. I've done everything I need to do. and the next 3 days are really light so let me just book a flight to where i want to go the flight is for tomorrow yeah it's it's three times more expensive than you know if i was booking in advance but who gives a shit and you can go wherever you want at any point of time if you're willing to travel solo mm and They're how fun. long you are can... the trips that you take 3 4 days 
Sometimes yeah. two days if the, if it's like a closer area or there's not much to do there two days. But typically it's not like a planned trip. It'll be like okay, let's leave tonight, and I'll just go there, do what I want to do, carry my PC, come back. See, that's the benefit of running a business. You don't have to answer to anyone. You just whenever you want to take a trip, you can. This is how humans were meant to be. Back when we lived in tribes, we were free to go where we want, do what we want, and we were free. And only recently, we we have adopted a li- adopted a lifestyle where we have become tied down, where we can't go here, can't go there. We have a job to look after, and now with the whole online business thing, we are returning back to the freedoms we used to have. Do you see more people picking up online business? I hope so. What do you think? Have you done any solo trips? I have not. I, I can't recall the last time I took a, a full-on vacation. The closest I take to vacations is to go home and just unwind for a couple of days. But a full-on trip, I haven't done that in a while. Um, I have been sold on solo locations from folks that are doing a solo trip. Like when I would go to a cruise. I'd see someone. He's by himself. I'm like, "Why'd you come by yourself for?" And he'll be like, "Why not?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, I don't know why not." And then he starts to give me this riveting rationale on why more people should take solo locations. And he was pretty much defining it in like this mystical sort of experience. And I'm like, "Shit, I need to take one of these trips by myself." I just don't know what to do. Um, like, what trip should start off the solo location journey? Do you have any recommendations? Should it be an outdoor trip, or is it more based on what I like to do? Come to India. Come to India. I don't know if I could. Uh, I feel like these long trips. I need to come with a squad. I, I was thinking something like a couple of states down from me. You're telling me to come to a different country. I think if you want to do a good solo trip, India, Southeast Asia, all these are good places because you know you can continue to speak English and people will understand you. Even Actually, you do like have Egypt. Egypt you do is have a, a point. Idea. You do have a point because most of these folks that are doing solo locations, I just recall they're backpacking and they're doing Europe trips, India trips. Yeah, you're right. I think I was thinking a little too small. You just expanded my vision. Definitely come to India. I'd love to help you out with that with that trip. I know everybody here. For sure, I would avoid China for a solo trip. People don't speak English there; it just becomes very lonely. Avoid China, Russia. I don't have much experiences, so I can't comment on Russia. Avoid the whole Pakistan, Afghanistan, all these countries. You know these unstable places. Dubai, you could do, but to be honest, there's not much in that country. It's it's like a big shopping mall. You could try Egypt. Egypt is good. Sub-Saharan Africa again. Not that much experience, but I would avoid it. Europe, you could do, but Europe is very expensive, so you need to you need to have a budget. Eastern Europe is still good, though. South America, not too experienced in, but Brazil, I've heard is good. Ecuador is supposed to be good. Peru, no idea. Chile, no idea. Argentina is supposed to be okay if you have Western money, because apparently the currency is very depreciated right now. Okay. You could also go to Canada. Just stick to English-speaking countries; you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Avoid I've the whole Africa, Pakistan, Afghanistan area. Okay. 
All right, man. I mean, you gave me something to think about. Because normally whenever I take vacations, it's either with family or whenever I'm in a relationship. And those trips uh, are great. But I do get the whole appeal of solo locations where you really don't have to answer to anyone. You could do whatever you want to do, go with the flow, etc. And I could see it being a good way to, uh, if you're going through a rut right now, rather than just sitting in your place and drinking yourself to sleep, I could see a good case being made for a solo location, just getting you out of that rut. See, what you have said earlier about it opening your horizon, a lot of people need to have their horizons open. They think going out, going or going anywhere is like a big exercise. You have to plan everything. But really, it's a simple thing you can do today. You could just buy a plane ticket to wherever you want to go today and just go there. You don't need to think about it much. You don't need to spend months. You just have to buy a stupid ticket and go. It's right. that simple. People, well, I think it's, they think it's a big thing. I think it's simple for guys like you and me because we have a business. But if you have, and we're single, or we don't have families and such, but if you have a family and you're working a nine to five job, it could get a little tricky. Of course, but I, figure it out. Dude, dude, I know a lot of these dads. Um, One of my friends, he got married. And when I chilled with him recently, he was just hungry for some uh, like experience. He's just like, you want to go here? You want to go there? I'm like, bro, calm down, man. We've already hung out for three hours. I'm about to go home. He's like, no, no, no. Let's go to this hookah bar. Let's do this. And he's been a dad. So he's been just... And he provides for the entire household. He has the nine to five job. He's making a decent amount of money for like the nine to five grind. But he just is one of these dads that needs time outside of the family. And it's like when you have all these responsibilities, you're looking for any of these little pockets where you could socialize. I noticed a lot of dads get like that, especially new dads. Uh, he's like 35. So he's been a dad for just three years. Um, I, I've been noticing that. Huh. I guess we'll find out when we get to that point. Yeah. Have you all been smoking more hookah lately? Nah, so hookah is something that... So in college, I used to smoke it a good amount. I actually had a hookah flavor named after me called Armani Triple X. Uh, it was pretty popular in Tampa. And when you have a hookah flavor named after you, it's a little bit more incentive to try it. <laughs> <laughs> this fucker would charge me money to smoke my own hookah, but he'd give <laughs> his cousin it for free. I'm like, bro, it's named after me. Um, but the thing with hookah that really scared give me. me a royalty. Give me a royalty, dude, because I am helping you out. Uh, a lot of people are coming to your business just to smoke Armani Triple X. Give me a little bit of money. Uh, but he didn't give me money. Uh, and eventually, I started to look at hookah in a weird way where the business of hookah doesn't make sense. You're pretty much paying 25 bucks uh, just to get a hookah. And a lot of the times, it's not packed correctly. You could say, oh, okay, well, it's for a social event. But that's when certain people started to learn, why I keep going to these hookah bars? How about I just buy a hookah for 25 bucks and now I can smoke it whenever I want. I don't have to keep paying $25 additional costs. And people who did that, dude, not good. Because when you smoke hookah a lot, it ends up putting tar in your blood if you're smoking it a lot which people can easily do it's very addicting and it fucks you up man if you're going to do it let it be one of those rare occasions i've heard a hookah is like a hundred cigarettes or more at once 
something like that. That's crazy. A hundred cigarettes. Right. And when you keep smoking it, what happens is you'll try to go up the stairs and you're like, <gasps> you're aging yourself. So hookah is one of those things that you feel good when you're doing it. But the day after, you just have the worst headache. You're like, oh, man, I can't do this again. Especially as you add on years. Uh, a 25-year-old has a quick bounce back rate. But once you're 31 to 35, the hookah hangover sticks with you. You've never tried it, right? I have never tried it, no. Never no cigarettes? Try. No. Did you ever try anything that in India is considered big? You ever had pan? No. Jorda? Jorda goes in pan. No, no, I never had it. <laughs> okay. I've had the mitha pan, which, is, which, is, which doesn't have the tobacco in it. It's just supposed to be a mouth freshener. I've had that. Didn't like it that much. I've only had things that were... Help me increase productivity. You know the nootropics. Nootropics. I won't you get tried into Adderall. It. I don't want to get into any of this stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let me not incriminate myself. Okay, no, no, no. Um, can you talk about Can you talk about nootropics or no? We can talk about nootropics. I think there's a pretty popular one that almost everybody in finance uses. I used to use it back in the day. I don't use it anymore. It's been a long while. Mm-hmm. I was more, what's the word for it? More willing to try out these things back when I was a kid. Now I'm more protective of my brain, you could say. Gotcha. This thing has side effects. Not good for me. Okay. Have you what been about hearing, you? Have you been hearing a lot of um, talks about nicotine being a good productivity thing? I've been seeing tweets I've on it recently. I've been hearing about that for a long time. I've been hearing about that for 10 years. Well, apparently these people claim that nicotine is good for you, but the way you get nicotine in your body is harmful. Okay. So what do they do? They take a pill or something? I don't know. I think they use this chewing gum to get nicotine. Uh, I see. I see what you're talking about. Or they dip. I I heard dipping is another thing where you chew something and then you spit it out. That's just a nasty habit. I don't know. I think that... It's an addiction I don't want to have. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with coffee at this point. And all of these nicotine addicts, you can see it starts showing up on their face. Like their face and their skin, it starts to dull down. It's not the same. I would not recommend it. Unless it you're like some you. kind of model. Yeah. Right. Man, um, you asked me, what about you? Uh, what about me? Um, I'll do a hookah every now and then, but... Literally, dude, it's been so rare that I don't even consider that a thing. Um, what else? I'm big into coffee. I like black coffee specifically. Racist. <laughs> um, what else? I don't really, I don't really take too much things. I already told you I, once a day. Black. Have coffee. you tried Adderall yourself or Modafinil or something? No comment. <laughs> actually fuck it fuck it bro i'll, I'll go ahead and incriminate myself I'll, I'll incriminate myself i have so this was this was in college where uh modafinil whatever that did, i didn't like that that just got me jittery but adderall like i one time i had this classmate that come up to me he's like are you ready for the test tomorrow i'm like what test he's like we have our final tomorrow or something like that i was like shit man i didn't study at all 
And there was this one guy that I used to talk to. He was in a white fraternity and he was trying his hardest to get me on Adderall for some reason. He's like, Armani, I'm telling you, just take a little bit. I'll be there with you when you're doing it. Uh, just so you get eased in. I was like, nah, nah, for the longest time. But when I found out my exam is the next day, I was like, shit, I'm going to have to pull an all-nighter. That's when I asked this white guy, all right, hook me up. So he gave me a 20 milligram. He broke it in half. And he's like, see how you react to that. Now, here's the thing with Adderall. However you set the tone for the first 30 minutes will be the tone for the next eight hours. So if you take it and you're over here chit-chatting for the first uh, couple of minutes, you're going to want to chit-chat the entire time. But if you just zone in and you study for the first couple of minutes, you're going to do that for eight to 10 hours straight. I did that for eight to 10 hours straight. And bro, I kid you not, I got a perfect score on my exam. And this is one of the hardest exams out there. I wouldn't say Adderall makes you smarter, but what it does is that it gives you intense focus. And once you have intense focus, you just absorb whatever knowledge that you're trying to take in much quicker. And it helps with repetitive tasks because with engineering, you have to do a lot of these problems over and over and Adderall can help you with that. So I did that one time and now Zach, he feels good. He's like, you got a hundred percent. What do you normally get on exams? I'm like, bro, if it's an engineering exam, I normally get 70%. He's like, all right, uh, you're going to try it again, right? And that's what these Adderall guys do. They want you to keep getting, trying it. I was like, nah, bro, I'm not going to try it again. But that one time trying it was in many ways a miracle. I, I don't recommend other people do it. I, I recommend you take the organic route. Uh, you meditate, you sharpen your concentration by itself. But I would be lying if I said that that time I tried it, it wasn't anything short of a miracle. Adderall, I would not recommend trying it. It's extremely addictive. It's extremely addictive and not something I would do. But there are cleaner things out there that are not as addictive that I would still say don't try it, but they work. I do think that there are simple things you can do that don't require any, you know, prescription medicines. For example, you could take caffeine with L-theanine. L-theanine is like green tea extract and it takes away the jitters from caffeine. It's completely legal. It's like a herbal supplement mm. and it works really well. So have some coffee and make some L-theanine in your coffee and you'll just be fine. You, you'll get the benefits of something like modafinil, and you won't get the jitteriness of the ca caffeine. Right. It really depends on, back to the adult thing, it really depends on how you set the tone. Because some people, they'll just be joking around in the beginning. They're like, it didn't work for me. I know people that did Adderall and then went to the club, and they were spitting some a divine game. They were just like, I'm like, bro, when did you get all this charisma from? And they started the tone off with just spitting game. So now they felt really relaxed socially. Um, Harsh is right, though. You could definitely get addicted to that if you have a addictive personality. If you're someone who's just normally a little, you get the ick in regards to any supplements, then, you know, once in a while, I don't think you'll get addicted. But if you have that addictive personality, it can definitely make it, make it bad. And the thing Man. is, um, there are certain guys that have... ADHD and ADD. So they get supplement of Adderall. Did you know that? Ritalin as well, right? I've heard that. Something like that. And when they don't have their Adderall, bro, they're night and day different. They're just like, they're, they're just all over the place. 
I do not recommend Adderall to anybody. I I just yeah. can't in any good faith say anyone should have it. Right, right. I think that it's a waste of these nootropics to be spent on parties. There's no way that they don't have any side effects. They probably have some damage on your body, and you're doing it just to party. That's that's insanely dumb. Some people do that, man. Some people will take a LSD tab and then just begin partying. People ruin these types of things, you know. If they keep doing it for parties, then it's going to get mm. banned and then it'll be out and then you can't have it anymore. For oh, example, yeah. there's an appetite suppressant that bodybuilders used to use called ephedrine. Have you heard of ephedrine? Mhm. It's used in the ECA stack and it's used to suppress your appetite before shows so you can cut a lot of fat and you won't feel hungry. But these idiotic party people, they started using it as an as a stimulant to party more and now it's banned in india so in india you can't do the eca stack you can't oh, have yeah. ephedrine it's like a controlled substance so all these party people they ruin all these useful things they just want to party and they they make it like a money making thing where now ephedrine is like a party person drug and you're like a crazy person if you've ever had ephedrine what why it used to be a normal appetite suppressant that bodybuilders used to use Why Dude. did you guys party with it? <laughs> Dude, no matter what it is, it's always going to get hijacked by the partiers all the time. Even shrooms. Have you ever heard of shrooms? Mushrooms, yeah, I've heard of that. The psychedelic yeah. mushrooms. Yeah, Never but some people is some people they'll just use shrooms or LSD to have uh like ego death and they'll have a breakthrough, right? Uh and certain people actually talk about that. Even hardcore self-improvement folks on Twitter I see talking about their ego death through LSD and they talk about their journey and stuff. That gets hijacked by the party people too. No matter what it is that will benefit a certain group of people whether it's with the diet suppressant that you were talking about or whether it's spiritually, it is eventually going to get hijacked by the party crew. Man, the party people they get everything banned anything is going to get banned because of these people even alcohol where alcohol before was um obviously it's for partying but another use for it was for creativity a lot of these uh writers would uh, write a rough draft drunk and then they would edit sober a lot of old school cave men were getting these alcohol and then they were getting very creative in terms of the art that they created uh so it was for certain groups of creativity but then it got hijacked by the party folks man. all the time man even maybe coffee well coffee i mean it's just coffee's not going anywhere what else could get hijacked by party folks probably something super strong something like dmt maybe never DMT. had dmt Yohimbine maybe, but it kind of gives you anxiety. It's supposed to be another appetite suppressant. And this guy and his appetite suppressants, man. <laughs> <laughs> have um, you tried man, it? I, I have not tried it. I've had some friends who tried it, but it apparently is. It gives you panic attacks. So, yeah. I'm not a competitive bodybuilder, so I don't give a shit about these things. But I have some friends who are competing bodybuilders and. I, that's where I hear about these things from. Mm. I would not take something just to cut my appetite if I know it's going to make my heart feel like I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, Apparently, man. it actually makes you feel pain in your heart. It's so strong. Nah, forget that. 
anything that gives anxiety is something that I want to stay away from. If someone just wants to boost productivity, the simplest thing to take is caffeine and L-theanine. The simplest things. These are completely legal, have no side effects, and they're naturally occurring substances. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other productivity tricks or any hacks like that? Or are you just straight to the point? The simple productivity trick is to have a to-do list, wake up and just do your to-do list first thing. The to-do list. And don't list. do anything yep. else. That's a simple productivity hack. And sleep enough. If you sleep like four or five hours, you're not going to be that productive. Yeah, a little remix I have to the to-do list is rather than write sentences, write words. So rather than saying, go to the gym, do five bicep curls, blah, 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 blah. Just write gym. gym. Rather than writing, uh, write blog, uh, do SEO research and all blah, 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 write blog. Because if it's a simple task that's worded in a very fat, nasty way, it's going to fool the brain to think that it's a very difficult task. But the opposite is also true. So where if you have a very complicated, difficult task and you just boil it down to one word, it's going to fool the brain to think that it's an easy task. So my thing is just consume, create, market, meditate. That's on my to-do list. And then boom, I just execute it every day. Um, so yeah, the to-do list I'm all for, but make sure you're wording it correctly as well. Consume, create, market, and what? Meditate. So tell me more about consume, create, meditate, and the fourth thing. Yeah, so you asked about consume. So consume is um, just a very quick rundown. RLSW, that's the communication skills formula. Just like um, engineering has S-T-E-M, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Communication has reading, listening, speaking, and writing. So every day I'm trying to do something like that. And I try to do reading and listening as the consumption parts. So I read for two hours a day. I read uh, one hour of fiction, one hour of nonfiction, and I do some form of listening, whether it's in, in a conversation, whether it's watching educational YouTube videos, documentaries, and such. And uh, that's what I pretty much do uh, throughout the day uh, in terms of the consumption aspect. I see. How, how, how long do you meditate for? So meditating depends, man. Like I'll do like some isolated meditation for 30 minutes or so, but I'll, I normally walk as well. And during the walking, I do a form of visualization. I consider that meditation as well. But if you're talking about the solo act that a lot of people know it as, I'll try to get in 30 minutes a day at least. What about you meditate or not really? I do meditate, but about 15 minutes a day, 10, 15 minutes, sometimes five when I don't have enough time. Was it always like that? Did you always start off uh, at that baseline or did you, did you experiment? I started off with a 10 minute baseline, but sometimes it's hard to find a clear 10 minute, you know, a 10 minute time where you won't be disturbed. So I might just do five minutes now, then five minutes in the evening. But I try to get at least 10 minutes of meditation done in my day. Of course, sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes it's just impossible to get even a few minutes of meditate simply because, say, you have guests over and the kids are there and the bhaiya chalo, you know, like, let's go somewhere. Mm -hmm. You just can't do it. But otherwise, I try to get some time in. Meditating is very underrated. And there's, you do the breathing meditation, right? Yeah, what other meditations exist? There's a decent amount, man. There's the 
body meditation where you um, meditate on the different feelings in your body. There's knowledge meditation where you get a certain verse from whatever religious book or any book and you just keep meditating on that. There's uh, there's the deity meditation where you have <clears throat> a certain uh, God or certain in a form and then you meditate upon that. There's a decent amount, man. I've heard there are like a, over a hundred meditation ways, but I think that they're all pretty much the same things. And whatever works for you, works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you been up to lately? I've heard that you're making more content now. Yeah. I mean, nowadays I'm, I'm still, I'm expanding more on what I already have. So with the Armani Talks business, I predominantly focus on a lot of niche content. Uh, so a lot of the uh, mainstream stuff doesn't uh, um, talk about it, but I'll try to talk about it. So I cover a lot of these niche content. Uh, and writing some more books, audiobooks, getting my library converted to Spanish, eventually French, and much more. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of just day-by-day -day action. How many people in the U.S. speak Spanish? I've heard that it's starting to become the second language of the country, if not the first language of the country. A lot of people speak Spanish, man. Man, so many people speak Spanish that... When you don't speak Spanish in a predominantly Spanish location, they get mad at you, man. I went to the Spanish restaurant recently, and a few people in a very aggressive way were like, I just, they're saying some Spanish stuff. And I, <laughs> immediately, I'm getting surrounded by all these Spanish guys yelling at me in Spanish. And I'm like, no Espanol. And when I said no Espanol, they registered it as I was trying to speak to them in Spanish. I'm like, bro, guys, I don't speak Spanish. And I just left. And this was a neighborhood where there were all these uh, shops and stuff where everyone spoke Spanish. So nowadays that's happening, man, where if you're going to learn any language in the U.S., forget French, forget Arabic, forget Sanskrit and all of that. Just learn Spanish if you want to communicate with a whole different set of people. I have it's some friends popular. in the U.S., who tell mm -hmm. me that sometimes weeks go by and they haven't spoken any other language but Spanish. So they live in these more Spanish places. Mm -hmm. And they say that if they go on dates, they speak Spanish. When they're ordering food, they speak Spanish. When they're going out, talking to random people, it's Spanish. And sometimes a long time will go by before they have to speak English. And are these friends of yours actually Spanish or did they learn it? learn that language no they're immigrants to the u.s okay they're and not based they, they moved to the u.s like 10 15 20 years ago and they've learned spanish there mm -hmm. and they say that nowadays more and more people are speaking it here to the point where sometimes you don't even need to know english you can just get by on knowing spanish well you could tell how serious it is because whenever you're calling one of these call centers they'll literally say click one for english click two for spanish that means there's enough demand from Spanish for them to even make that an option. Do you intend on learning Spanish? I do, man. And I'm glad you asked me that question because if you asked me this a year ago, in a very resentful way, I would say, no, why the hell would I learn Spanish? We're supposed to speak English here. Uh, but ever since I started to convert my library into Spanish, I'm telling you, man, this narrator is breathing some different life into the Armani Talks books. And he's saying, the, he's reading these manuscripts in a certain, such a melodic way. I'm like, 
I want that melody too. I don't know what the hell you're doing, Nico, but I really like the way you're communicating. I don't understand what the hell you're saying, but I like it. You know, there's this musicality that Spanish people have. A lot of Spanish people don't need to learn how to dance. It's like the rhythm is in them. And I want some of that. So as of late, I've been thinking about learning Spanish. Now's not the time, but in the near future, absolutely. You? Interesting. Is, is Spanish even worth it for you or not much? I know a bit of Spanish. I learned it on Duolingo. I don't care about it enough. No one speaks Spanish here. I'm not sure why I started learning Spanish, but this was eight to 10 years ago. Back when Duolingo was gaining popularity. Particularly not interested in learning Spanish in the sense no one in India speaks it. The one language I want to learn is Sanskrit. Mm. Is it to read certain verses uh, in religious texts or just because you know other people that speak Sanskrit? Oh, people don't speak Sanskrit here, but I want to learn Sanskrit so that I can read my own religion's texts, yes, and understand them how they were meant to be understood, you could say. But it's a, it's one of those things where I'm saying I want to do it, but I'm not sure I'm willing to put in the effort and the time that you know that's required to do it. So it's one of those fleeting things you want, but I not I would probably not invest the time and energy. It's not that important to me. Is there another language where a lot of other people speak it there that you don't? A lot of these local languages, a lot of people speak that I may not speak. There's there's a lot of languages in India, but I speak the biggest languages. I speak Hindi and English, so I just get around fine. Do you but speak when I'm Urdu? traveling, say in the south, no, never know, never met anyone who speaks Urdu either. Not sure where it's spoken well. But when I'm traveling in the south, it's an issue because those guys speak languages like Tamil or Kannada, and it, those languages have nothing to do with Hindi or English. Can you a, l- a little bit understand Tamil though? No, not even a little bit. Not at all. They're completely different languages, and it makes traveling south of India really hard. Is there trauma between Malayalams and Gujaratis over there? There is drama between South Indians and North Indians. I'm not sure specifically about Malayalams and Gujaratis. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't even know where the Malayalam people are from which state they belong to. Right. That's how little I know about South India. Okay. No, because I never knew it was a thing. Like At first, I thought it was just Indians. But then I had I knew two people that were like, oh, I can't date her because she's Malayalam and I'm Gujarati. I was like, so? And they're like, well, it's a big deal. My my parents aren't going to like that. I thought, oh, oh yeah, that does happen. That does happen. See, think of it from let me let me give you an analogy, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like a guy from Texas marrying a girl from California, and the parents have the stereotypical views of the state. So the Texas guy, his parents think this California girl is gonna be a blue-haired whore. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be woke, and the California girl's parents think this Texas guy, he likes guns. He hates LGBT people. He's evil. Maga. <laughs> it's a little like that. Good analogy. Th- that actually does happen. Oh, it does? Okay. <laughs> it does happen, man, where nowadays judging based on where you live is definitely a thing. What are the stereotypes of Florida 
the Florida man stereotype. Man, the Florida stereotypes are so annoying, and and we need to actually get better marketing because the thing with Florida that goes viral are always these stupid shit regarding alligators and uh, the. Uh, well, whenever remember that Florida man thing, the Florida the, man, the, the, the zombie <laughs> attack, the, the, the bullshit goes viral. But it's such a nice place where, whenever people come here, they're just like, "Oh my goodness!" Like this is actually a blend of all these other places in one. So we need def we need better marketing. But to answer your question, uh, it's mainly about alligators and zombie attacks. The honest question is, Arman, do you want more people coming to Florida? No, so that this is where <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that. Where it, a lot of people have been coming here recently in New York, California, Texas, multiple people. They're like, I'm going to tell my friends about this place. I'm like, no, no, don't, because <laughs> whenever you get too many people, when you don't need too many people, that's the thing. We have the perfect amount at this point. It's annoying stuff happens. Uh, little um, uh, protests about random stuff happens. Hit and runs happen a lot. Uh, prices in your place go up for no reason. And it's just annoying. So good question. The answer is no. You guys, Florida, yeah, yeah Florida, there's an alligator across every street. <laughs> Don't come here. It sucks. <laughs> Don't come here, man. So especially when you're from overseas, because people from overseas, I mean, all they're really getting is content that they get on their Twitter feeds. So for them, the idea is even deeper entrenched in their mind. But people that live in U.S., we all have little judgments regarding other people. We're like New York folks. You guys are so bold and brash. You guys are loudmouths, right? Uh, Texas people were like, oh, man, these guys just sleep with their guns. They make love to their guns. They just love their guns, man. And then the California folks were just like, these guys love the children. Yeah, they all surf and <laughs> surf with children. Who knows what they do? Rainbows and children. California has lost a lot of clout. Where before that was the dream place. Where a lot of foreigners one time want to come to U.S. because they're like, I want to live my dreams. Well, when you live in the U.S., a lot of people want to go to California because that symbolized I get to live my dreams. Nowadays, California has a very bad reputation. It's seen as uh, Hollywood is dying, of course, but nowadays they have a huge homeless problem. So, and the gang violence, granted, I've never been there, but this is the public perception of them, just like Florida has its own public perception. What about Ohio? What do you think of Ohio? Ohio, I actually don't know. I was supposed to go um, get trained there for work, but I got, I got it canceled last minute and I just, uh, I was just like, thank God, man, because I don't want to go to Ohio. Uh, most people's perception is that whenever they get assigned to Ohio and plans fall through, they think, oh, thank God. You know, you don't think that for other places, but Ohio is the, it just creates the vibe of a dead town. Sorry for anyone that uh, lives in Ohio. That's the per perception. I think on the internet, right? People who get their views of the U.S. from Twitter, they kind of divide the U.S. in three parts. There's first is New York, which is supposed to be rich. Then there's Texas, which is supposed to be gun heavy. And then there's California, which is supposed to be woke. And the rest of the U.S. doesn't exist. Just these three places. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what happens everywhere. If you ask, say, an American about Africa, describe me Africa, they'll be like, okay, there's Egypt, which has the pyramids. There's South Africa, which has some white people. And then there is Africa, which is broke and poor, has no infrastructure. The rest of Africa. Right. And this is, this is how they do. All outsiders tend to just see the, the most popular places as the main places that exist. And the rest of it just gets thrown under the, thrown under the rug. Mm-hmm. Is India like that? Does India have certain popular places and a lot of stigmas? So when a Westerner looks at India, what does he see? Okay, there's Delhi, there's a Taj Mahal, and there's Mumbai, and there's Kolkata, and there is Bangalore. That's all they know about India. Mm-hmm. And they've heard about some rape case here and there, and like India is unsafe for women, even though where the rape rate in India is 10 times lower than that of the USA. Is it just me, or this past week, I'm not talking about all weeks, but this past week... There was some India hate going on on Twitter. Did you notice that or was it just me? I did notice that. I did notice that. On Twitter, right, people are NPCs and they all talk about the same thing at the same time. And there were a bunch of these SaaS company people. They're like, we country block India because Indians generate a lot of you know requests for customer support and they don't buy as much stuff. And for that, my response is that makes sense. I mean, I've experienced that. I run companies. Selling to Indians is really hard. They they don't want to pay even a single dollar extra. And they just don't want to read any documentation. They just want to keep raising support queries. And it's going to be things like someone raising a support query and being like, hey, can I get a free trial? Can I get a discount? No. If I wanted to give you a discount, I would have given it to everybody. If I wanted to give a free trial, I would have given it. Mm-hmm. Why are you raising a support ticket for that? You're waking me up at night. <laughs> so you're not recruiting a lot of Indians for your SaaS companies? I'm not against recruiting Indians, but I've had the same experience and I can understand why people are frustrated and why they're complaining about it. Of course, I don't country ban India. I, I'm happy to take Indian customers too. But many of these guys, if they see a payment from an Indian, they will refund it. Like, I don't want you here. These guys, will just they don't want Indian customers. They will... IP block mm-hmm. India for the company. Like we don't have enough support staff to deal with you guys. So IP blocked. I didn't know that. So was that the main criticism that was happening this past week or anything else? There were some people pointing out that there's, you know, India is not as clean as a Western country, but we're getting there. India has its problems, but we are getting better every year. And mm-hmm. soon we're gonna cross you guys. <laughs> cross us in what regards? economy, civilization, everything else. It's, go- it's, it's like the West as a culture and as an economy is falling. It's going down. The quality of life of the average Westerner, especially in the past five, six years, has gone down. Your inflation rate is high and your incomes are falling. Not you, but for the average Westerner, the average Right. Average person who lives in the UK, the average person who lives in the US, the cost of energy, rent, housing has been going up. And your salaries have not been going up as much. The cost of food is increasing a lot. So it's a fair thing to say that 
the quality of life in a western country is declining really hard and you guys are facing the same issues that third world countries like india used to face like cleanliness drugs and things of that regard as opposed to in india the quality of life of everybody every year is going up more and more schools are opening up more gyms are opening up more people are making more money we are earning from the internet and everything else so slowly things are getting better and in fact i would say in many places things are getting better really really fast so it's a matter mm-hmm. of time till india becomes a better country to live in than the usa obviously we are not there right now but we will get there in the next 15 20 years interesting prediction you never know i mean you never know which country is going to come out of the blue moon and surprise you i mean there's been a lot of talks with china uh leveling up as of late as well uh, i don't know if people would want to drive in troves uh, to live in china um but they have been making a lot of progress in terms of economy from what i've been hearing they they've been they've been building up for the last couple of years and now they're taking a lot of people by surprise so who knows to, uh, who knows if india may not do the same thing as well see with china i know some people who live in china and mm-hmm. they say that the chinese are doing so well right now that there's a saying that you could go to beijing and throw a stone and beijing is making so much money so so productive that anywhere you throw a stone and you go pick the stone up you'll find money next to the stone mm-hmm. beijing is doing really well from an outsider's perspective the way people perceive of china is that their infrastructure there's a lot of corruption and their buildings are made out of paper and keep falling all the time and they think that china is like a big surveillance state and the life of the average chinese citizen is crap all of those things have an element of the truth where the construction quality is obviously not as good and the chinese government party they keep spying on the citizens and restrict their movement but from the perspective of the average han chinese person i'm not talking about a uighur muslim i'm not talking about the tibetians i'm talking about the average han chinese person which is the vast majority of the population 40 years ago they didn't have anything they were broke as hell and now they have jobs they have a good life and things are getting better and better there so from their perspective everything is going well and they want more of it and they don't risk the freedoms that we have because they've never had those freedoms in their entire life So as a westerner as an indian we would not want to live in china but for the chinese guy it's like hey this is working out really well for me i was living in a mud hut 30 years ago now i live in a building and a house i have a swimming pool or whatever mm-hmm. so the average han chinese person you know the one who's not being oppressed by the government is doing pretty well obviously you do not want to be a dissident in china it's not a great place to be if you don't if you are if you have my personality where you tend to disagree with people more but for the majority of their citizens it seems to be working out decently that's why it's really not... difficult to cross combine uh, countries to say like this country is going to eventually outpass this because now you have to see what the people that live in the country are using as their measurement of success because you're right i mean from an outsider's point of view we're looking at china and we're thinking Wait a minute. You could become a billionaire and get all of your businesses taken by the government. I don't hear about Jack Ma anymore. What happened? But from the Chinese perspective, it's always been a thing like that. It's like that's not even our something in our viewpoint. We're just thinking about infrastructure and such. So 
China has been improving, man. And I don't see a reason why India can't do the same thing. You guys have a lot of people. You guys are very smart. Whenever Indians are coming here, I that's one of the things that I automatically notice. They're just very smart. And they're willing to learn. They're hungry. So I definitely see India. I'm bullish on India. Me too. Me too. It would be interesting to see how the demographics play out in India, though, over the next 50 years. Right. Given that we have a very large minority of Islamic people and Hindu people, then they don't like each other. So it would be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. Occasionally, mm-hmm. you keep hearing about the Islamic people producing documents like capturing India by 2047. And like, what the hell are you guys doing? So like, that's why it's, diffi- <laughs> it's difficult to make predictions because you suddenly get a black swan that just makes you think, well, what the hell? And it changes how things work. Yeah, man. But I hope India does well in the next 30, 40 years. At least I'm contributing more to the economy than 99.99999% of Indians. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm employing many people. I have multiple businesses. I'm getting in forex to the country. More people were like me, India would be much better off. Of course, people on Twitter might disagree. You know, this guy mm-hmm. says things I do not like. He doesn't He's use bad. soap. <laughs> he doesn't use soap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I'm assuming you're going to stay in India forever. I don't know. I have That's family here. I like the place. You're going to raise your everybody kids. everybody here. That's where yeah, you're going to have I'm your grandkids. Be... Your great, great grandkids. Let's hope so. Unless something goes really, really wrong, that is. What? Unless something goes really wrong, that's a plan. Right. Do we have any questions for, for this sure. episode, Arman? Checking right now. This is from ETL Masters. Hi, Harsh. I hope you are doing well. I'm a 23-year-old man from a tier two city in India. I have a question regarding dating. It's tough for me to get girlfriends. Most of the time, I think that the girls I am attracted towards don't want to talk to me. But at the same time, my other friends get along with them easily even though they are not as good looking as me. I think these might be the following reasons. One, poor upbringing, introvert with zero confidence and was below the poverty line most of my life. Two, no social life, doing work from home, doesn't have access to much checks. I am thinking of moving to Bangalore for some uh, cold, to practice cold approach. What would you suggest? Man, you need to fix your life, not move to Bangalore. See, is Bangalore a good place? It's a city. It's an okay place. Lots of traffic. Think of it like this. If you were a girl and you were offered to date a guy who, who had no social life and worked from home and was an introvert and had poor communication skills, would you date him? Of course you wouldn't. This is true in Bangalore, in a tier two city, in a tier three city, in a goddamn village everywhere. So instead of moving a location, what you need to do is fix your goddamn personality so it doesn't ha- it stops happening. See, girls don't care about how good you look or how rich you are. If you can provide them excitement and fun, if you have like hobbies and you can entertain them, then you'll be just fine. So you need to build those things. Moving to a different location is not going to change any of that. You need to build your personality, do exciting things, develop charisma, and learn to have fun. Go out. You do not need to meet 
people in Bangalore. You can do it anywhere, anywhere. If your friends can hang out with these girls and you can't, the problem is you, right? In all of your interactions with women, the only constant is you. And you've already told, you know what you're doing wrong. You have poor social skills and you're an introvert. So fix that stuff. Maybe Arman has a book that you can F- read. Follow Armani Talks. Yeah, follow Armani Talks. Develop some good hobbies. Anything, anything outdoorsy. Go hiking, learn to cook, learn to dance, anything. Make yourself a more open person. If you are like a typical nerd in India, you're not going to get anywhere with women. What is are your thoughts? So? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, is that so? I mean, um, I, I know you, you can be a nerd and get with a lot of women, but do a lot of the women over there, um, are do they get cold approached a lot or is that not much of a concept? Not much of a concept. Not that mm-hmm. much. You have to be more subtle about it. You can't go like, hey, give me a phone number. I, I think you're cute. I mean, you can do that. Some guys can do that. But usually you have to be a little warmer, ask them a question, then interact a bit. And they'll be like, hey, you should give me a number. That works much better. Right, right. Because he's 23. And this is one of those. How old was I when I did the cold approaching thing? I was younger than that. Uh, so I don't know if 23, I mean. India is a different place. It doesn't. Work yeah, that that's much. what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. I, do what Harsh told you to do because he gave a lot of sound advice. You gotta bring up your value. You you gotta become interesting, uh, and then you'll make other people interested. So do what he just told you to do. Uh, I like that advice. Um, anything else for that? No. Next one is from MK Board. Question: What, according to you, are things or accomplishments that you can feel proud of in front of your kids? Being strong physically, being able to squat a heavy weight, deadlift a heavy weight, bench a heavy weight, all of those things your kids can see and admire because all kids want their fathers to be strong. The other accomplishments are knowing powerful people, not in a braggy way, but being able to get something that you want done, done, not being frustrated easily, having control over your emotions and things of that sort. Now, having had a tough life and having built up what you have right now, of course, some guys just keep saying that over and over again and it, it stops having that effect and it becomes a meme, you know. Like my father used to cross three oceans to go to school. Don't, don't make it a meme, but all of those things really help your kids respect you. I do think that the main thing you need to keep, teach your kids to respect is their own DNA. Because that, that's going to be there with them at any point in their life. If you can teach them that your ancestry has always done great things and they need to work hard to not be considered disappointments. For example, all of these older kings like Julius Caesar, they would have a room dedicated to their ancestors and they they would have things like this ancestor achieved this, he achieved this, he achieved this. And when kids would go into that room, they would be like, hey, my ancestors were doing all these things. This means I need to also do something. And it makes them more ambitious. So you need to teach them to be proud of their DNA. And this will encourage them to be more ambitious. Tell them what their what people in the past from their own families have achieved. And they will believe that they can do the same thing. And they will work hard and do it also. Right. There's the physical component. Do your best to be in shape. And then there's the other aspect where your 
personal accomplishments. And if you're someone that's moving to a new country, that's something that you definitely want to bring up. You want to talk about what it was like moving to the new country, learning the new language. I mean, that that's not something a kid will appreciate as a kid. But by the time that kid turns 30, they're going to be thinking that took a lot of guts and that requires some props. So highlight the dark parts of your journey and the come up. Hopefully you're at the come up or you're working your way towards one. And that is, well, the other, the, there's one last question. An extra large doesn't fit on your arms. Dude, how big are you? Please share your workout routine. An extra large will fit my arms. A large typically is a little tight. An extra large doesn't fit my stomach. It's like the thing we were talking about earlier. If I buy an XL, it's going to fit my arms, but it's going to have too much material for my stomach. It's going to sag. It's going to be a saggy shirt, baggy shirt. Mm -hmm. But if I go smaller sizes, then it won't fit my arms. So I need to get all of my shirts adjusted now. Okay. All right, folks, if you guys have any other questions, be sure to post it on this episode. Anything else from you, Life Math Money? Nope. What about you? Nope. All good. Uh, if you guys are listening from YouTube, drop that like right on below. Hit subscribe and hit that bell notification for future episodes and clips. We'll catch you on the next episode. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Have a great day and leave us a question. If you want to ask us something, we answer all of them. All right. Take care.